When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Adventure on Pumpkin on W Four C Y Radio. Wake up, America! It's time for the Adventures of Pipe Man on W4CY.com, West Palm Beach's number one internet radio station. Here's your host, the Pipe Man. This is the Pipe Man here on the Adventures Pipe Man W4CY Radio. Super excited again for a guest we are about to have here on the show. A legend as far as I'm concerned. So I would like to welcome to the show Steve Ignorant from Crass. Hello everybody, how are you doing? How's it going today over there on the other side of the pond? It's going all right. Uh, we, uh, we're still trying to work out what the hell's going on with this COVID thing. Um, you know, our wonderful government that knows absolutely <laughs> what it's doing. Uh, it's doing a great job. Um, I have no idea what's going on. But apart from that, it's been sunny. But um, as you just heard, Dean, um, it's uh, pissing down a rain at the moment. So, you know. I, I'm but used got, to that because I'm in South Florida. So it happens like every day here. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay. Right. Right. We'll have like Blimey. a torrential downpour that you think is going to be like Noah's Ark and the whole place is flooded and like 20 minutes later it's dry and sunny as if it never happened. I, I know. Isn't it weird? It's, it's like rain and then it stops. <laughs> and you're like, what the, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. You know, I <laughs> want to go back to what you were saying because, uh, you know, it seems like your government and my government are probably in the same bullshit <laughs> with yep. oh my god i you know i being in the 80s and worried about the b- world blowing up from nuclear war i think sounds like mellow compared to what 2020 is i would have never expected that back in the 80s well i'll tell you what i've been thinking you know that uh thatcher gate tape we did with uh you know with ron reagan and margaret thatcher and i'm just thinking if we could have done one, I mean, we'd probably get shot for being terrorists now for doing it. But uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but to do one between uh, Boris Johnson and Donald Trump would be a pretty... <laughs> Come on, someone out there has got to be able to do it. Come on. <laughs> I, I think so. And, you know, and it's funny what you say about today compared to then because it's like I talked to some of my friends and we're like, you know, isn't it kind of weird that you almost wish we had Reagan now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, at least he was 
genuinely funny because uh, you know obviously the poor bloke got out Simon's or whatever it was um, <laughs> but it's when he called Princess Diana Prince David and then waved at a seagull <laughs> that, that is great and well how about when he gave a speech to Iran and he did his infamous thumbs up which in Iran means fuck you oh well there you go <laughs> and, and I'm not so sure that one was Alzheimer's I think he did on purpose and acted dumb personally well <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what a great track record that our so-called leaders and betters have. Aren't oh. they just wonderful? <laughs> you, you know what I don't get? Okay, so at, in my country, we, we are so, so divided right now. And it's like, you know, the, the people that we have to choose from, like the, 328 million people, and this is the best that we have. It, it's pretty sad, to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. It's very easy to uh, despair, you know, because you, you know, what, what have we got? You know, we got this bumbling oaf from a public school, you know, um, um, Eton and all that sort of thing, and that's what we've got. And he just looks like a twat, you know. <laughs> for God's sake, Boris, do something your fucking style, mate. Um, but no, not a chance. And people go. And this is what upsets me, Dean, is because people go, oh, no, he's a lot. Well, be very careful. You know, just because the bloke makes you laugh doesn't mean he's less dangerous. Yeah. And he's uh, because he's so stupid, he is very dangerous. Um, and it's the same with the guy that you've got oh, over there, you know. It's scary. <laughs> if he gets reelected, I'm thinking of leaving because then he has nothing to lose anymore. He'll, he'll just be a he'll become a dictator or something. I'm thinking. Well, he's almost there, and you know, yeah. I was thinking about. It's funny, I was thinking about it last night because I was thinking about doing this interview, you know, and, and um, but it just, you know, I was thinking about America and that, and I was like, well, do I have any right, really, being an English person, not living in America, to sort of say things about your president? Well, as a human being, I seriously think that man needs to seek um, psychiatric help uh, because he seems to believe that he's bigger than anything. He's, he seems to think he's bigger than the law, uh, bigger than your uh, constitution, and even, uh, so help me, you know, bigger than God. You know, yeah. he really thinks, and that's a scary thing. I don't know but why anyway. people are surprised he's always been like that. Like, as far as back as I can remember, you know, he's always been exactly who he is now. And, you know, it's funny, you were talking about how Boris looks. Think of what we got to make fun of here, orange skin and that toupee that, like, is the most hideous looking thing ever i think maybe uh, he'd be better off with a mohawk to be honest well yeah well i'll tell you what's worse sometimes and i don't want to give people nightmares but just imagine donald trump's orgasm face <laughs> oh god i now i now you got thanks a lot you put that in my head for the rest of my life i mean <laughs> <laughs> sleep well <laughs> oh my god uh well at least we can laugh about it i gotta tell you but it, it is kind of like this is what the world's come to—that you just you just have a bunch of idiots that are power hungry. At least back in the day, you had shitty presidents and shitty politicians, but at least they kind of, some way, knew what they were doing, and and at, at least they really believed it. Even if they were wrong, they believed in what they were doing, and they actually thought they were doing right. You know, I I don't think that's existent today. Yeah, uh, um, and I, I, yeah, I agree with you because at least uh, you know you felt they right or wrong, as you said, they were doing something for what they believed in for the country or for for the people. Exactly. Whereas this bunch we've got, um, I just don't know what the fuck they're on about. 
It's, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to something different. Yes, absolutely. Let's move yeah. on to the amazing music that you guys have. And I, I want you to kind of, even for our listeners that have never heard you before, kind of take us through maybe the story from the very beginning, you know, of Crass to where we are today, you know, and what the evolution, so to speak. Okay, well, very briefly, and I'll try and speak slowly because uh, I've had a couple of beers and I'm English. Um, <laughs> and I, t- I tend to start speaking really quickly like some da 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 but I'll, I'll try not to do that. So, um, all right, the way Crass started, uh, I was living in a town called Bristol in England, and I saw a program about uh, Sex Pistols, uh, and it wasn't the Bill Grundy uh, famous one, it was another one with Janet Street Porter. And and that it just, the way they looked and the way they spoke, it was like, that was me. Um, and I, I thought, I want to be part of that. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I was working in the hospital in Bristol, putting plaster Paris, um, plaster cast on people. And this girl came in wearing very strange clothes. And I said, what's the deal with the clothes? And she said, haven't you heard of punk rock? And I went, yeah, I've heard of it. But, And she went, well, if you're interested, there's a band playing at the Colston Hall uh, on Friday. And I said, are you going to be there? And she went, yes, I will. I went, can I buy you a beer? If I... And she went, yes, I'll... yes, you can. I was like, excellent, brilliant. So a date was set. Went down, I didn't see her. But the band that was playing was The Clash, um, supported by, um, I think, Richard Hill and the Voidoids, believe it or not. Well, I walked into that room and The Clash played and it just blew me away. And at the end of the uh, concert, Joe Strummer, I always remember him saying it, people were going, oh, your shit and all this sort of thing. And he said, well, if you think you can do better, go and start your own band. And I thought, that's what I want to do. Nice. I had no idea if I was going to do it. So I went back to, I left uh, my job. I left um, the place I was living. I was living with my brother, left there. Went back to the town I grew up in, Dagenham, big Ford's factory. Um, saw my old friends, um, but they all had girlfriends or were married and weren't into punk rock. So then I thought, I'll go and see my old friend Penny Rambo. Went over to see him. Uh, he was on his own. Uh, living at Dahl House, which became known as the Crass, Crass House. Uh, and he said, what are you doing? And I went, I'm thinking of starting a punk rock band. And he said, oh, I've got a drum kit, I'll play drums for you. And that's literally how it started, just me and him doing drums and vocals. I'm moving quickly on, more, more and more people arrived and picked up guitars and that kind of thing. The band Crass, as people know it, was then formed. We went out, very shambolic at the beginning. Uh, we uh, uh, we sent a uh, demo tape to Small Wonder Records. He liked it, did a record with us, which was the Feeding 5000. And then we uh, uh, we didn't think it would sell five, but it sold, you know, it had to go into a repressing. And from the money we made from that, we were able to do the next record, which I think was Stations of the Crass. Uh, and it just slowly built up from there. And that's literally start. That's literally how it was with Crass. It wasn't like let's get a band together. And we'll all wear black and we'll do this and we'll be <laughs> political. It was like let's start a band and we'll get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you know this or not, but I always laugh when I've seen some information about the original Go Go's and they were uh, they were like hardcore punk in L.A. And that's when I, you know, started getting into the whole scene. And I lived in L.A. And they yeah. ju- and Belinda and Jane just started this band so that they could get a party and get laid. <laughs> that, well. that was what it was. And that's what it was back then. It was like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it's funny. I, I think music has 
stayed the same but changed all in the same time. It's it's kind of evolved so much and the and the difference between to me the punk music back in the 70s and 80s and the punk music today is different, but it's almost like the punk music today is has opened the doorways to kids today to know of bands like Crass. Like it blows my mind when I go to shows and you know, people are wearing T-shirts of bands from back then. Like, how do these kids even know those bands? And that's what's really cool, because they always like to say punk was dead. And here we are, 2020, and I think it's as alive as ever. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the whole... Uh, I mean, people have taken a great issue about that song we wrote, Punk is Dead. And But it was true, punk was dead. You know, the, uh, the so-called originals, um, who, funny enough... Most of them live in Los Angeles, I believe, you know, um, and have breakfast in Malibu. Fair enough, if that's what they want to do for their life, you know, who am I to say that? But did they really do anything different? Well, yes, they did. They inspired me, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, they became like any other rock band, and I'm sorry to say this, it might sound like I'm anti-American, which I'm not, honestly, um, but I, I sort of knew, for example, once The Clash went to America they wouldn't come back. Yeah. They did, uh, but they were different. And it, they weren't doing anything different from any pop band or, uh, you know, they just went down the same road. Um, and that's where we decided that we would do something different. We'll stick to what we say. We won't go with the major label. We'll try and do it on our own. If we fail, we fail. If we succeed, we, whatever success is, because um, <clears throat> I ain't got no fucking money, but <laughs> um, I, I ain't got no studio. <laughs> So we did it that way, you know. So for us, uh, and also the corporations did buy it out, you know, because whereas before, uh, you know, when I first started getting into punk in 77, people were making their own clothes. You know, yeah. they'd go to um, charity shops. I, I don't know what you call them. I can't remember what you call them Thri over there. We call them thrift shops. That's it, thrift shops. You'd, you'd buy clothes and you'd make your own stuff. Well, of course, you know, the, um, companies like Boy and Seditionaries were doing punk clothes and a lot of other people in the back, in, in uh, the music magazines, advertising punk clothes. Everyone bought them. Um, so it, it then became this, you know, I can I can describe to you now what a 1977 punk, uh, 1978 punk looked like which would be a leather jacket with studs in it, yeah. um, probably Mohican, and tartan bondage trousers and black Dr. Martins with, with uh, red laces, you know, uh, and everyone looked the same. And it was a real shame that that sort of, that side of it had gone. So to, to me and, you know, to the rest of Crass, punk is dead, long live punk, here comes the new punk, which it did, which is when the real messages started coming out. Yeah, you know, it, it's amazing what you're saying because uh, as an American... And being in L.A. during the whole start of the punk scene there and the yeah. metal, metal scene there, all yeah. I ever wanted to do, and I was a metalhead who liked punk. Like, you know, it was back in the day where you could, had to be one or the other. You couldn't be both like now. But, you know, it, I would sneak and go to shows, that, you know, that I wasn't really supposed to go to and stuff like that. But my friends were all punks, and I don't know. In L.A., I was... It, our attitude, especially my attitude, was I just wanted to go to the UK where the real punk scene was because to me the LA punk scene was more like, uh, I don't know, the whole idea of pop punk doesn't even, I don't even know where that word comes to be because those are like, that's like jumbo shrimp. Well, look, you know, I'm, you know, I've, um, 
you know, you saying that you was a metalhead and all that and, and a punk rocker. And, well, I had the same thing because I was a punk rocker, obviously. Uh, but who was one of my favourite artists, Joni Mitchell, for God's sake, you know, so, and there Bert Bacharach. There you and go. And I'm, seri- I'm serious about that, you know. Um, they're, I just think they, they're great music makers, you know. Um, but then, if you listen, you know, if you listen to um, uh, Billie Holiday, and there's one song that she does called Strange Fruit. Now, if that's not a punk song, I don't know what the fuck is, you know. Um, don't listen to it when you're feeling depressed because it will make you even more <laughs> depressed. But um, that that's my sort of take on it is that I don't care where it's from, it, where it's from. Um, if it's saying the right message to me, uh, then that's to me, that's punk. Yeah, it's the and punk is a message and an attitude. I think that's something a lot of people don't understand. And I think punk is also about, you know, just being outspoken and speaking up for other human beings and, you know, being against the whole establishment when it's, you know, not just because it's the establishment, but when it's evil and doing evil things to hu- the humans, so to speak. Well, yeah, and, and you know, and actually, you know, I think it's um, our duty uh, um, to rebel yes. as long as you do it, as long as you don't do it violently. I mean, I know there's sometimes where you have to raise a fist, you know, I, I have done, you know, and it won't be the first time, it won't be the last time, but... Um, no, I, I I really think that's it. That the you know if if you're look if you're a punk you just you don't just wear it. Right. You are it. It's it's a it's almost a conscience. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I laugh nowadays because back in the day, if you had piercings, it was considered ooh, don't get piercings, don't get tattoos, don't dress like this, don't have your hair all different colors. And now it's like fashionable. It's kind of weird to me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit like bloody face masks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the other one right there. It's like so, yeah. when I see people taking selfies with a face mask on, I just like shake my head. Yeah, it's just yeah, 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 same here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I I think it's really cool that you have this classical collection now uh, being dropped and. Uh, you know, how did that kind of come about, you know, that here in 2020 we decide to release all this great stuff? Uh, it had been threatening to happen uh, for quite a long a long time. I mean, um, when Crass recorded, it was all on uh, two-inch tape because um, back in those days there wasn't, um, what's it called, analogue, and di- there wasn't digital. Yes. And we realised that the, the tapes were actually starting to uh, deteriorate so we had to save it, and Penn, bless him, Penny Rambo, uh, went in and, and just like you know put it onto uh, um, you know digital, on the disc and stuff, and uh, and then he realised, of course, without a restriction uh, uh, that analog had, you, you know he could he could pump up the bass a bit more. I mean, the thing with Crass was that we used to uh, with vinyl. I, I don't know if a lot of people realise it, but the more material we put on a record, the more shallow the grooves are. Um, so your stylus will play it, you know, on an old kid's things called record players back in the day, you know. <laughs> but but um, the the more material you have on it, the, the more shallow the grooves are, which means you don't get so much bass sound. Um, so by going digital, Penn was able to boost up the bass sound. So you could, you could now you can actually hear what everyone's meant to be doing. We've done two versions. Penn's done two versions. Uh, which is as it was, which is as close as possible to the original sound. Um, and then we've done a, um, an enhanced version, which is the digital with, you know, the bass 
pumped up. So we've tried to please everybody. Uh, of course we can't, but you know we're still going to get shit for it. But there you go. That's the way of the world, isn't it? There you but, go. Um, <laughs> But you know, um, yeah, I'm, you know, really chuffed that it's happening. You know, it's uh, and people. Are, I mean, the strange thing for me is that uh, there are people. You know, I'm 62, uh, and yet I keep, you know, I keep bumping into these people who are 15, 16 years old, uh, just getting into it. That's what blows my mind. It's like to me, I think it's so cool that, you know. I was 15, 16 into it, and then you see 15, 16-year-olds now in 2020, you know, 40 years later into it. it yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I've got to watch myself doing, uh, because being a grumpy old bastard, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at that fucking idiot with his fucking Mohican and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And, I, and I'm like, hang on, hang on, Steve. What would you rather have that kid do? Would you rather have him going around stabbing people or, you know, would you rather have him listen to, um, I don't know, um, trying to think of a, 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 the Bay City Rollers or um, <laughs> would you rather have him listen to Crass and uh, the Sex Pistols and, uh, you know, and I have to catch myself. Well, so I, I just think it's great, you know, long well, may it live. I think, you know, see, to me, music is always the best therapy and I think, you know, the whole idea of, punk music is about a place for people to go that they belong number one and they can just be who they are number two number three that they have a voice and, and it's about helping each other like people have this you know bad idea of what things are like even in the pit the pit isn't about hurting people it's about a healthy way to get out your aggression and a brotherhood at the same time and then you're not out on the streets doing stupid shit because, you know, you're getting it all out in the pit. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and also, you know, uh, what I notice about a lot of 99% um, um, of uh, punk gigs that I go, go to, wherever in the world, they, it tends to be, um, it's almost like the music is just the background. Yeah. Uh, the whole point of going to the gig is that you meet other people when you talk and you blah blah and you discuss, you argue, you whatever, you know, you get drunk, you get laid, blah blah blah. But it, and it's almost like the music is secondary to that, <laughs> and that's what I really love about it. That it's a real gathering. Absolutely, um, no doubt about it. Yeah, and uh, you saying that uh, music is a therapy. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, a few days ago, and he said, "So, Steve, when you know what what." Um, he said, um, you know, I when you, I know you get depressed and stuff. And I went, yeah, yeah. And he went, so, um, you know, when you get depressed, what do you listen to? I've been status quo. He went, what? I went, status quo. He went, you're joking. I went, no. If if you feel a bit down, it's going to sound really weird, I know. But um, I always put on status quo because it's especially Sweet Caroline. And I know the, the lyrics are not, you know, meaningful and all that sort of thing. But it's just... And you can't not tap your foot or nod your head. Yeah. I think Status Quo are a very underrated band. <laughs> nice. Nice plug for them right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if I could have written, if I could have written Sweet Caroline, my God. Well, it's funny you should say that because, you know, when I was interviewing Joe from the Vandals, he was talking about, you know, how... If he was to do something different when he went back to being a teenager, he's like, I would have written better songs. 
he said like yeah like the descendants they they always wrote great songs and he said this and i was like well that's pretty cool give it first of all giving kudos to another band second of all you know realizing that is that is what it's about it's about good songwriting good music doesn't matter what the genre is like you know I'm so sick and tired of the labels out there. It's like, how many genres do you really need? There's like a thousand subgenres of something. It's stupid. It's just all music. It's good music. It's you know, it's like and people say to me, you know, um, I was, yeah, and I, it's like and people say to me, I'll, you know, and I don't know who I am. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm in a band. Oh, uh, oh, what sort of music do you do? Well, because Crass was it punk? Yeah, it was. But did it? You know, punk to me is like the Clash. You know, that sound. And I'm like, well, yes, punk rock. You know, and I, it's even worse now with this new thing I'm doing with Slice of Life. Um, so what sort of music is it? And I'm like, um, well, it's sort of um, um, kitchen sink music. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's, what's that? Well, it's, you, you listen to it while you're washing up the dishes. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like, how, do you, how the fuck do you describe yourself? It's like... <laughs> Tell me who you are now. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'll give a little pointer. Um, I'll get, uh, Steve is going to give a little bit of advice. The next time you go to a party or a gathering and there's all these idiots there that you can't stand, and you know what I mean, and someone comes up and says, um, oh, what do you do? Uh, just, uh, And I've done this before at a party. This, this woman, right snob. Um, oh, and what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a vocalist. And she went, oh, do you sing in a band? In a group? No, do you sing in a group? I went, no, I do um, I do voiceovers. And she went, oh, for the radio? I went, no, for pornographic films. <laughs> and it, and she went, she went deathly white and went, oh, how jolly interesting. I went, yeah, apparently I've got a very good groan. <laughs> <laughs> so the next time anyone's pissing you off at a party, just, just what do you do? I do voiceovers for pornographic films. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I, you know... It, that is so me too. I love to mess with people when they ask certain questions. You know, it's funny, even in interviews, you notice there's one question I don't ask that like everybody asks, and it's like, how'd you get your band name? I'm like, that's the oh. stupidest question ever. Either figure it out or whatever, but it's only been asked a million times. Yeah. Why do you want to ask it again? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so Steve, how did you get the name Crass? It came from the song David Bowie, uh, Ziggy Stardust, uh, um, and the kids was just Crass. There you go. The logo. The logo is iconic. That's why I want to talk about the Crass logo. Uh, so for sure. our listeners Sorry. that aren't familiar, maybe tell them how that came about. Well, um, it was a guy called Dave King who sadly um, passed away, uh, well, died, you know, recently. But he uh, um, did a, a, a design for a bit of writing that Penny Rambo was doing called um, Christ Reality Asylum, which later became the song, you know, or the, the track um, song. I mean, you can't fucking dance to it, can you? Jesus Christ. Excuse the pun. But um, and he came up. Uh, Dave King at the time was very much into um, in Japan when uh, the samurai clans, you know, we're talking about the 13th century or something all of the families or the clans um, used to have flags which were usually in a round shape uh, and looked like flowers and he came up with this idea that he wanted to do something that looked like a, um, a chrysanthemum and he was mucking about with the union flag for you americans uh it's the union flag it's only called a union jack when it's on a ship um anyway that bit of trivia <laughs> for your next quiz <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but he came up with this design mucking about with the idea of um, two snakes' heads, uh, two serpents devouring itself, which was power de um, devouring itself uh, across the... The cross could be taken either um, as a crucifix or the Union flag or the cross of St. George. And basically, it, when I look at it, I can't draw the bloody thing, but... Um, uh, basically, that's that's what it was. You know, he, he came up with this design, which, which uh, just absolutely, you know, worked. It was um, so that was the whole idea behind it. That it would be like a Japanese family symbol, and um, yeah, we just started using it as a crest symbol. And there you go. And it's to this day, it's iconic. So, my God, it's bigger than Walmart. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so. If you had one story, good or bad, in all these years you've been doing this that you would tell when you're, like, 92, what would that story be? Um, is that to do with crass or anything? Anything you want. Okay. Uh, working with... Uh, I was writing this song, and uh, it's called Differability, and uh, I've done it with um, Slice of Life, and I'm, look, I'm not plugging uh, my thing, you know, at all. You can plug your thing as much as you want. Well, thank you for that, dear. You know what? That sounds like we should go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after I said it, I was uh, oh, like, that didn't come out right. Here we go. Well, <laughs> come again. <laughs> now, let's stop this. Let's stop this minefield of double entendres. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm, I'm writing this song about uh, differability, and it's people who walk different from us. Um, who look different from us or might not have uh, two arms or two legs or whatever. You know what I'm on about. And uh, I had this friend, Max, who had this uh, disease since he was a kid or a syndrome. Um, so he's in a wheelchair. And one of his favourite songs was a, a, a song I did called uh, The Way Things Are, which I did with uh, Schwarzenegger. And uh, then I, later on I did it with Slice of Life. Anyway, did a, he did a, um, a cartoon um, video thing for me and uh, so I really got to know him you know um, and he used to play uh, soccer uh, in a wheelchair he had this you know electric thing and I was like do you know what I'm going to write this song and I'm sort of going to write it from what I think maybe Max would want to say because he's a very outspoken geezer uh, young man and so I wrote this song didn't tell him uh, came back and uh, made the record and he comes in a pub one night and he goes, oh, Steve, I listened to your new album. And I went, oh, what do you reckon? He went, oh, I really like Differability. I went, oh, yeah. He went, yeah. He said, I, I thought I thought that was me. And I went, well, actually, Max, um, um, that was about you. You sort of inspired it, you know, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to write about fucking wheelchairs and all that sort of shit and be patronising. He went, no, no, I really like Oh, He went, oh, really? I went, yeah, yeah. Um, three days later, he died. Oh, wow. No, but I'm, I was so pleased and happy uh, to be able to tell him that, yeah. Um, and at his uh, at his funeral, his his father Andy had printed out the words and had it there on a table with um, two candles on it, which was really nice. And from that, the thing that he had, I can't remember. Um, someone else got in touch with me, whose son also died from it, and I'm going to meet her next year at a gig. So you know, yeah, it's it's just, that's a really. Um, I just feel really chuffed about that. Wow. That is a really cool story, and uh, it's always, well, always good to Dean, hear stuff like that. 
sorry, mate, Dean, that's punk rock, mate. That's what you do. You, you go. bring a little, you, you t- just uh, switch a light and a little light goes on and you make someone's life just a little bit for five minutes. Everything's all right. I love it. I'm glad you said that too, because I, I really think people that don't really understand the punk scene understand that that's what it's all about right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's fast. It's furious. Um, it's, um, get fucked and, and fuck up and get a hangover in the morning. And it certainly ain't about cups of tea and cucumber sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So how do people connect to you? Uh, are you on social media? How can they check out, you know, of course we know how they can go check out all the crass music and how can they check out your projects too, that you're working on? Uh, well, you can go as, um, Steve Igron, uh, official, and you can go. Uh, hang on, I've got to call me. Uh, I've got to call Yona. Yona. Oh, there she is. What's the addresses? For what? How uh, people can get in touch with me. I'm not very good with computers. Uh, <laughs> just go on to the website. Yeah, just go on to the website, Steve Official, or um, Facebook, Insta- hmm? Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram, and you can get in touch with me. All right, pretty cool. And, and then one final thing I want to talk about too is you know the relationship with Crass and One Little Independent because yeah. that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, well, they, uh, one little one little independent uh, back in the day used to be called the Epileptics, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but they were told off by someone who's by someone's mother, whose son was an epileptic. So they changed their name to the Epis or the Epix. We met them, uh, then they changed their name to flux of pink indians and then uh derrick burkett started up a uh a record label called one little indian uh so we've always been friends and it just so happened that we had a problem with um southern records so we moved on to uh, one little independent as they're known now um it's a it's a bit of a shame that they called they changed their name to one little independent um because one little indian um, wasn't meant to be uh, racist um, in any sense of the term. Uh, it's because I, I think uh, um, it was from a song, uh, Ten Little Indians Sitting on a Wall or something like that, and blah, 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 blah. And it was like an, a bit of, um, I think you'd call it irony over there. It was uh, meant to be ironic. Um, but in a present climate, you know, obviously it had to be changed. So that's why they changed it to One Little Independent. Well, you know, you just taught me something because I, I still have a Flux of Pink Indians album. Yeah. And I didn't know that connection. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, well, uh, Kolsk, uh, Colin Latter, the lead vocalist, um, I used to have a teepee because uh, I got into the, uh, into the uh, uh, Native American or is it First Nations, uh, whatever the PC term is. Can I just say Native Americans? And uh, uh, Coles got into it as well. Um, so I gave him my TP, and uh, a lot of um, what he was doing was uh, he was very, you know, very much in, you know, interested in that. Very cool. So, are there any final words you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, if you're drinking and driving, make sure you've got a car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, well, I think that just set the record of the best ending of an interview ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, listen. Apart from that, look, stay safe. 
look after each other. Uh, it's pretty horrible out there. And um, look, I know sometimes, uh, like myself, you can go down. It's going to be all right, everybody. It really is. You know, um, don't worry that uh, live music will never happen again or that you will never see me doing crass. Somehow I will fucking do it. I will come over. I'll play in people's fucking back gardens if I have to. I mean, I don't want to, but I want to do, you know. Um, but if that's what it takes, that's what I'll fucking do. And I'm sure that a lot of other bands are feeling the same way. So don't worry. Everything is going to be fine. We can get through this. That is the punk attitude. And you know what's so funny about that is a few years back, there was this, you know, uh, you know somewhat known punk band uh, called GBH. That was playing. Oh, that was playing in the states. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, they were playing near me in this play. It, it was at a tiki bar in Fort Pierce, Florida. Now I have to paint a picture of Fort Pierce, Florida. Like nobody goes to Fort Pierce, Florida. Okay, it, it's like I was driving to the gig and I was like considering turning around. Uh, (laughs) so it was funny because I was interviewing Colin after the gig or before the gig and uh, I'm like so uh, you know what's it like to uh, you know be here in Florida and he goes well one day you're playing to a million people in Mesopotamia and then the next day you're playing at a tiki bar in Fort Pierce Florida (laughs) and that's that's punk rock that's the way it is exactly yeah, uh, one night you're playing a Fox Theatre in wherever uh, to uh, 2,000 people. And the next night you're in the do- Dog and Duck uh, <laughs> playing playing to two uh, with the sound of a pool table being whacked about. <laughs> there you go. I think it's kind of cool, though, because I think when, you know, the people that get big, like we were talking about that before, the people that get really big, I, I have to think if you're the musician, you, have, you probably miss playing those little clubs because that's... I think that's where the most fun is. I know what it is as an attendee. I'd rather go see a club show than a big concert anytime. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, again, it sounds like I'm plugging my thing, but a slice. that's why I did Slice of Life, you know, acoustic, because I knew that if we were lucky, we'd get 10 people at a concert, um, you know, a show. But I like that because it's intimate and it, it simplifies it. You know, I, um, I do like playing big shows, but... It makes no difference to me whether I'm playing to one person. I mean, this is an old cliche, you know, and everyone's going, yeah, all right, Steve. Yeah, everyone says, no, but I mean it. I will still give the same, you know, emotion or whatever it is. I'll, you know, whether it's one person or a hundred. And that's the that's the thing with punk rockers because they will always do that. They'll bang it out. Fuck it. Bollocks, do it. Yep. There you go. I love yeah. it. Well, thanks for the time. Thanks for all the great music. And look forward to seeing you when we can actually go to a show. Oh, Dean, look, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Thanks for thanks for inviting me onto this. And, you know, look, you take care, mate. And, yeah, when we meet, and we will do, please come up and introduce yourself because I might know what you fucking look like. Um, <laughs> and you, and um, you can buy me a beer. Yeah, you got it, brother. You know it. And cool. it'll be a blast. I love it. Cool. Uh, just one thing I have to ask you. Yes, go. Please, when we meet, do never, ever call me dude. I will not. No, I, that's one thing. Steve, dude. Oh, end of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no dude for you. Hey, that sounds like an album. <laughs> there you go. That, you know what? Maybe that should be your next album. 
Ooh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I am now going back to my shed to drink some beers and, and have emptied my bladder. Uh, at 62, these things happen. Now, take care, everybody. Good night. And just do what you got to do. This was Steve Vigman on W4CY Radio. Well, it's Penny here, and I have just spoken to the Pipe Man on W4CY Radio. Thank you for listening to the Adventures of Pipe Man. On W4CY Radio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.